Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, our church begins the great season of Advent. It's a season of waiting. and There's a spiritual element attached to it that's rich in history. If you look at the Israelite nation, for centuries on end, they waited and waited for a Messiah to come. And that's what Jeremiah is referring to in the first reading for this weekend. Jeremiah is addressing the Israelite nation just as they have been conquered by the Babylonians. They've been conquered by the Babylonians, and now they're living in Babylon, which is present-day Iraq, as slaves to the Babylonians. The dynasty that began with King David has now ended with the fall and the sack of Jerusalem. So Jeremiah, in the first reading, he likens the Israelite nation as a stump. Now, anyone who's ever seen a stump or cut down a tree knows The remnants of that tree that was once alive is now a stump. It's dead. It'll never grow before. And yet notice what Jeremiah says in the first reading. He says, from that stump, God will grow a shoot. A shoot is a spring of life. So what is Jeremiah referring to? God is going to usher in a new Davidic king. He will come and he will establish a new and permanent dynasty that will last forever. And that king is Jesus Christ. Jeremiah is giving a message of hope to a people that know nothing but hopelessness. More to it, he's encouraged the Israelites to wait. Wait for that new Messiah. Messiah that will liberate Israelites, free them and reconcile them back to God. What's the key? They have to wait. Now, waiting is a basic biblical theme. You see that up and down the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you hear stories of people waiting, waiting for God to take action, waiting for God to answer their prayers. First and foremost, look at Abraham. He establishes a covenant with God. God tells Abraham that he will be the father of many nations. His descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham had many years, though, to wait. This promise did not come true right away. He waited year after year after year. Now, I'm sure self-doubt maybe crept in from time to time, and maybe he got ridiculed by his friends or even his family. And after many years, the promise ultimately came true. Look at Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, as a young boy, has a dream in which all of his brothers are bowing down to him in honor. Now, does this dream occur right away? Well, no. We all know the story of Joseph. His brothers become so jealous and envious of him, they sell him as a slave. He winds up as a slave living in Egypt. 
He's accused of a crime he never committed and spends seven years in an Egyptian prison, waiting, waiting for that dream to come true. And ultimately, after time, his dream does come true. He rises to a very prominent position in the Egyptian government and saves his family. So sometimes there is some good to waiting, but that's not always easy for us. Let's face it, we as Americans, we hate to wait. We hate to wait in traffic. We hate to wait in line to check out for groceries. My pet peeve is to wait for my doctor in an office visit. I always show up at least five minutes early from the appointed time, and then I have to wait 20 to 25 minutes. Then I finally get into the examining room, the nurse takes my vital signs, and then I have to wait probably another 25 to 30 minutes before the doctor even walks into the room. And then he wonders why my blood pressure is skyrocketing through the roof. Well, we are a people that do not like to wait. In fact, as Americans, I think we pride ourselves of being people on the go, getting things done. A great symbol of that in our society is the drive-up window. Drive-up window, you see that all over the place. Fast food places, you can get meals. You can get your dry cleaning done. You can go to the Walgreens and get your prescriptions filled. You can get your banking done. So we are the people that pride ourselves to be on the go. And yet, as we begin this season of Advent, God asks us to wait. Wait. Prayerfully wait for him to come. And so there's a spiritual component of that in this season. The first thing that we have to understand is that we and God are all together different. We have different timetables. Our God is a God who governs the whole universe. He stands outside of time and space. It doesn't affect him like it does for us. Our days, our weeks, months, years are like an instant to God. What may appear to be an eternity for us is maybe a blink of the eye for God. That's why the psalmist says, Lord, a thousand years are like a day for you. And so I think at the heart of waiting during this season of Advent is seeing, feeling, and hearing God's presence in our life. That's the spiritual component. Thomas Merton, a spiritual giant in the 20th century, said, If we are on the wrong path, the worst thing that we could do is go down that path quickly. That's a great point, isn't it? It's great if we are on the right path. The path that always leads to Christ. Good, very good. But if we are on the wrong beaten path, then to move quickly down that path would be very troublesome in the spiritual life. It's kind of like the old joke. Halfway through the flight, the pilot gets on the speaker system and he says to the people, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is that we are completely lost. I don't know where we are. The good news is we are making great time. As if that makes a difference. I think God makes us wait, sometimes to help us, to recognize maybe we're not going where we should spiritually. And if so, slow down, reassess our faith life, and then get on that right path. St. Augustine was once asked, why do we wait? Why does God make us wait in answer to our prayers? Well, St. Augustine responded, He said, sometimes God makes us wait because our hearts are not prepared 
to receive all the blessing and all the grace of that answered prayer. And so we wait. We wait for days, weeks, months, maybe even years for our prayers to be answered. In doing so, what Augustine would say, during this time, God is stretching and pulling our hearts such that when our hearts have expanded effectively enough in order to completely receive all the blessings and all the grace of that answered prayer, God will answer our prayer. Think about it. If we have our prayers answered always instantaneously, well, after a while, we're going to take those answered prayers for granted. More to it, maybe we, we need some time to be prepared for God's answered prayer. Maybe we pray, and God is very much ready to answer that prayer, but we are not ready. We're not prepared to receive those blessings. I'll give you a great example of that. Go back to the story of Joseph. When Joseph receives that dream of his brothers bowing down to him in honor, he was a very young boy. He was very self-absorbed and very arrogant. Well, if that dream were to come true, when Joseph was a little boy, for all intents and purposes, he would have misused that gift from God. He would have misused that power that God had given him. What did he need? A period of waiting. A period of waiting that made him ready and prepared to receive that gift. Most importantly, by waiting, Joseph could now use that gift properly, the way God intended him to use that gift. I'll give you another example. Look at St. Paul. St. Paul, on that road to Damascus, encounters a person that he never thought he would meet in his life, Jesus Christ. And in doing so, his life has changed forever. Now, does he go immediately to Jerusalem to consult with the apostles? No, he doesn't. Instead, Galatians chapter 1, verse 17, it said he fled into the Arabian desert and spent three years there before he finally made his way to Jerusalem to consult with the apostles. Paul needed waiting. He needed to spiritually and prayerfully wait to receive Christ into his life in those three years. So you say, okay, I get it. I get it. Advent is a time to prayerfully wait, but I need help. It's not going to be easy. Well, let me just offer a few spiritual suggestions that will help you. First, spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe you have a Eucharistic chapel in your church. Well, stay there for even just a few minutes, praying, waiting. What you're doing is you're keeping watch like the shepherds in the fields before the angel announced the birth of Jesus Christ. Second spiritual suggestion, carve out a niche of time in your daily life from now until Christmas. Carve out maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes of your time each and every day to pray. As I say all the time, when it comes to this spiritual life, be selfish. Well, carve out that little niche and then have the discipline to honor it. Take that time to pray to God, to be alone with the Lord. As I've said many times, prayer is the cornerstone of stewardship. So be a prayer warrior and offer prayers to God during this Advent season. Friends, we begin a great season, Advent, and it's a time for us to prayerfully wait 
And in doing so, we open up our heart, our mind, and our soul, our will, and our intellect to allow ourselves to receive Christ, not just at Christmas, but each and every day of our life. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.